0: as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge.
1: Welcome to the FDH Lounge.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode 1352. This is FDH managing partner Rick Morris here. And we have back with us one of our favorite FDH Lounge dignitaries, also the co-host of the Talos Remarks podcast with uh, another FDH Lounge dignitary, Joe Stazak. He also, of course, makes regular appearances on Joe Stazak's show on Philly Radio on 97.5 The Fanatic. Of course, uh, this gentleman is also, among other things, the sports editor over at the great uh, Westchester County Post. That's westchestercountypost.com. By the way... Mini-episode 1351, you will hear on there uh, a clip from uh, from our best guest clips of the last 100 mini-episodes. Uh, the publisher, uh, Janelle Albritton, was on there making an appearance as well. Uh, always uh, love to have on any representation from the Westchester County Post. And, of course, that always means my good friend Steve Callis coming back on. We are breaking down this Bob Baffert situation today, and Steve is the perfect person to do this with both his legal and his horse Uh, background here. The two are intersecting perfectly in this messy Bob Baffert matter. Good to have you on, as always, my friend. How are you, buddy?
1: Fabulous, Rick. Good to be with you, as always. Uh, This is a fascinating topic. I'm glad you're doing this and we're doing it, because it is horse racing and legal intersecting as we speak, as Bob Baffert, as you know, uh, filed his lawsuit yesterday, I believe it was, and it's a
0: fascinating lawsuit. Yes, and what I want to start with, and I kind of alluded to this off-air, is just a little bit of a supposition here, and whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong, your answer is going to be illuminating on this as far as how we got to this point. Now, we're looking at, of course, over the course of the last several decades, everything really going down in terms of interest with horse racing, and uh, it just it is, it is any number of reasons for that, of course. But uh, among other things, uh, of course, I think people have become Uh, disturbed by maybe there's a little bit of a crossover from greyhound racing, which is really kind of on its last legs now, as people are getting more and more concerned about the plight of the animals here. And that has basically just about put greyhound racing uh, almost uh, all the way gone, all but uh, done. And uh, I can't help but wonder if that's uh, been one of the reasons for horse racing's decline in the last couple of decades. You go back specifically, what I'm wondering is, this whole chain of deaths that was very well publicized at Santa Anita Park over the course of the last couple of years, has that had anything to do whatsoever with this climate to where they're cracking down on the trainers and, ah, you can't feed them, you know, this kind of crap anymore, I mean, or, or has it just sort of naturally been evolving anyways to the point of where they're restricting these substances? Well,
1: I think it's mostly naturally been revolving. The stuff in Santa Anita, which many many believe it was to the horrific rainfall they had there and what it did to the track as opposed to drugs mm-hmm. uh although you know people on both sides of that argument uh but I think what the the racing commissions and I say plural because you need some kind of national rule I think and that's this horse racing safety and integrity act of 2020 that not only passed congress recently but will go into effect next year so I think there's some hope there but look you know the, the, the PETA people had some legitimate complaints, I think. The flip side of that is, I will tell you, uh, having trained and driven harness horses for many years in the past, um, a lot of these horses get treated better than human beings, Rick, and that, that to me is yeah. sometimes the crime. Um, but no, there are instances where there are still too many druggies, you know, 27 at the top, Harness trainers and thoroughbred trainers combined have been indicted on a gigantic drug drugging case. Uh, So it's also gone down because, frankly, once upon a time, it was the only place to gamble legally. If you can go back to the, you know, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, That's where you could gamble legally, and lotto came around, and then now we have sports betting everywhere, so a lot has contributed to the decline of horse racing. And certainly, frankly, what's going on with Bob Baffert to have a positive in the Derby, the Kentucky Derby, you know, the race of the year, as you know, um, that's pretty sad, but that's also going to raise a lot of eyebrows, and don't forget... He uh, worked the deal to race in the Preakness, and his horse got, he got beat five and a half lengths by two other horses. So obviously, if you didn't think about it before, you said, well, he got this stuff in the Derby, and then he didn't get this stuff in the Preakness, and he won the Derby, and he got run over in the Preakness. And I'm not even saying that's correct, but that would be the general analysis for, I believe, Joe Gambler, who bets on the Derby and the Preakness, and the Belmont only.
0: Yeah, and that's one of those things, too, where, you know, as you talk about the predominance of the Kentucky Derby, there's really a lot more at stake here, because, again, it's the state of Kentucky that is uh, banning Baffert for a period of time, if this sticks. But, uh, as I understand it, there's reciprocity across the state racing commissions here, because didn't he have to uh, get himself clear in Arkansas before he could even run in the Derby there in Kentucky? So this is a de facto... Uh, national ban for him if it happens in Kentucky, is it not? Well, yes and no. I think for the most part that's true, but I will tell you already, and this gets down to, I don't know if it
1: gets down to politics or ownership or who you are, it's a little of that, but the people who own Santa Anita, where Bob Baffert has been the king for decades, you know, that is his main, where he races, I don't know how many Santa Anita derbies he's won, but it's a ton of them, and then he comes to the Kentucky Derby, where he's won six, maybe seven, we don't know, I personally think uh, his horse would probably DQ'd, get DQ'd for the Kentucky Derby, but I'm sure we'll get into that in a little. But certainly New York had already suspended him, and he was not allowed to race in the Belmont. But he worked a deal with the people at the Preakness and the Ripack family, which is a big owner of tracks in the world. Not only owns Santa Anita, but also owns all the tracks in Maryland, which includes where the Preakness is run. So people have already painted a picture of next year if all this holds. He may not be able to enter a horse in the Derby or the Belmont, but he can enter a horse in the Preakness, which would be really bizarre and I think is a possibility, again, subject to all the
0: lawsuits that are coming, because we only have one, but I think more are coming down the road. Well, and if it comes to that, that's one of those things here where, uh, you know, a normal person with a normal amount of uh, hubris, uh, unlike uh, Bob Baffert might say, gee, maybe the optics would be bad to push this and try and run in the the, the Preakness while this other stuff's going on here, but uh, I think we can reasonably expect, uh, given what we know about the man and and the lawsuit that's coming here, that uh, he's probably going to race anywhere he can under whatever type of loophole exists even temporarily, you would think. I think that's right. I just think... You
1: know, this is such a, this is the power against the power. Most trainers, most jockeys, most drivers in horse racing don't have the wherewithal, the money. Uh, this lawsuit, for example, demands injunctive relief so they can, at their own expense, which is meaningless to these guys, they're all millionaires, frankly, can go look at urine samples, for example. They've now become, the, the horse was positive. Uh, for beta in two uh, blood samples. And normally blood samples, as you probably know, are, are much more, test for much more than urine samples. But the beta that they're talking about here uh, apparently comes in two different parts and it's very complicated from a drug perspective. So I do think, um, frankly, the rich plaintiff <laughs> has a better chance than the poor one, the rich defendant, As you know, see, OJ, for example, has a better chance than the poor defendant, and I hate to say it this way,
0: but that's a factor in lawsuits, and I think might be a factor in these. Yeah, you can see where that's the case, and uh, you were telling me some stuff off air about some of the intricacies down in Kentucky here, and that, uh, you know, similar to, and as we're uh, at a a time when uh, F. Lee Bailey uh, has just passed away here and was in the news yeah, I mean, to go back to the days of OJ and uh, the kind of, if you have the kind of filthy lucre, what kind of a defense you can build, you were telling yeah. me some stuff about how that can really come in handy down in Kentucky in particular.
1: Yeah, well, just I'll, I'll just do a brief legal history on this, but for years, the trainer responsibility rule, which is what we're talking about, if you're the trainer and your horse has an illegal drug in the system, you are guilty. It doesn't matter how it got there, et cetera, et cetera, and it's called an absolute liability rule in many jurisdictions. However, in Kentucky a few years ago, there was a case where a trainer named Graham Motion had a positive in a a Kentucky race, and The positive was for methocarbamol, which can help a horse, obviously. Uh, All these drugs, even though they're saying in the... um beta-methasone case, it's not really a performance-enhancing drug. What it is is an anti-inflammatory. So you know, Rick, just from having a swollen knee or whatever, if you take something to get the inflammation down, you can bowl better or you can run better, you can perform better. Right. So is it a performance-enhancing drug? Well, not technically, but by taking away the inflammation, that helps you perform better than you would have if you did not take <laughs> the, the whatever it is you would take, like Advil. I know yep. that's not bad. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> right. So in any event, uh, this grand motion got a positive, uh, and he got a lower court decision that not only said he shouldn't be fined or suspended, which he had been, but that the trainer responsibility rule was unconstitutional, which sent shockwaves through the industry. However, when he went to the appellate court, the appellate court reversed everything. Said, yes, you, it's, it is. Constitutional, and you are fined and suspended, etc., etc. And then the lawyers, one of whom is the lawyer for Bob Baffin, now said, oh, we're going to go to the Supreme Court and we're going to fight this all the way to the Kentucky Supreme Court. And the Kentucky Supreme Court, like the U.S. Supreme Court, has a lot of discretion. And again, on a horse who was in a, a, a lesser stake race in Kentucky, they decided the Kentucky Supreme Court not even to hear the case. So the appellate court ruling held, it declared that it was constitutional the trainer responsibility rule. However, they changed some of the rules in Kentucky, where now trainers can come in and make a defense, which is what Bob Baffert is trying to do, and maybe raise enough of a defense that it would convince um, Churchill Downs or the Kentucky Harness, uh, the Kentucky Racing Commission to just, you know, let it slide or lessen it. Most of the cases that I've seen have lessened it. They haven't eliminated it. And now here we are with Bob Baffert. But the interesting thing to me is, so the Supreme Court denied to hear that case with a lesser race, but with the most famous trainer in the world winning the biggest
0: race in the country. Will the Supreme Court then deny if it gets that far? And I believe it will get that far, right? See, and that's the whole thing, too, and my whole kind of cynical read on this kind of thing is that, uh, again, when you have an industry that is predominant in a state, as horse racing is there, as, uh, say, for example, gambling in general is in Nevada. We know from very shameful history that uh, when Floyd Mayweather had to go to jail, I believe it was Floyd Mayweather for beating his wife, they let him go after one of his fights uh so that uh that they could yeah so that they could still make the income from it so i'm looking at this and i think everybody is like you know the state supreme court it's probably going to be done in whatever quite frankly they think is in the predominant economic interest of the state so i'm wondering here is it bafford who is an out of stater but does bring Uh, a lot of interest when he's there for the Derby and everything else? Or is it the establishment there in the state of Kentucky? But my sense is that the establishment would end up prevailing because uh, they're not going to want to set a precedent of anybody being bigger than the establishment in Kentucky, which is, of course, the horse racing industry. But uh, do do you have any kind of a sense on how that could fall either way? Uh, I think because Churchill Downs came out with a very,
1: very strong statement against uh, Baffert, frankly. And the fact that he has, the other thing I have not mentioned yet is the fact that he's had five positives um, in the last year, 30 in his career. So a lot of people think he's just a cheat who gets caught once in a while. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I do know that some of this has been terrible. I just want to read you some of what Churchill Downs said, because you'll get the slant Now, They suspended him for two years. It's up to the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission to disqualify Medina Spirit from the Derby, which I think is why that hasn't really happened yet. But let me give you this quote from uh, Churchill Downs' quote. Given these repeated failures over the last year, they're referring to the five positives he's had in the last year. Given these repeated failures over the last year, including the increasingly extraordinary explanations We firmly believe that asserting our rights to impose these measures is our duty and responsibility. Churchill Downs reserves the right to extend Baffert's suspension if there are additional violations in any racing. Close quote. And I Mm -hmm. should point out, Rick, that one of the five in the last year, and I'm not referring to Medina Spirit now, but he had a horse, Baffert had a horse named Gamine last year who raced in the Kentucky Oaks, which I know you know is the three-year-old race for Phillies. It's the offshoot of the Derby. Of course, the Derby gets most of the glory. But the day before in the Kentucky Oaks, you know, they'll get, you know, 80, 90, 100,000 there instead of 150,000 there. Mm -hmm. And his horse finished third in that race. And not only did she get disqualified, Rick, but she got disqualified for the very same thing that, Medina Spirit gun. Now I couldn't find anything about whether anyone ever said it was ah, you know, we just we just put some salve on some stuff, and you know, um, I did not hear that. But the beta methazone gamine lost the lost their purse. I think it was one hundred twenty thousand for being third. They find Baffert fifteen hundred now. Third in the Kentucky Oaks. Is nothing compared to first in the Derby. In fact, there's nothing in Kentucky that compares to first in the Derby, including first in the Oaks or first in any other race you can name. Sure. So I do think it could cut either way. You know, even during the OJ trial, I thought that could cut either way. You know, would, would his celebrity help him or not? It certainly helped him with the jury, as we found out later here. Um Baffert, yes, he's very popular, yes, he brings economy, uh, boosts the economy, uh, Derby Week all the time, but it's now happened twice in big, big races, including the biggest in Kentucky, uh, three other positives, I don't believe for what Gamin was positive with or Medina Spirit, but still, five in a year, 30 in a career, and a lot of people are fed up with it, and... I think there's some validity to that point, and also failing the blood test and the split sample blood test, they're trying to get the urine sample so they can come up with something to mount a defense, and the defense will be, they've already said in this lawsuit, they're trying to get an injunction so they can test the urine themselves, the urine samples, and there are two, just like there are for the blood samples. And their point is they can prove that this was just put on by a salve that a vet gave to a groom just to cure some dermatitis on the skin. Uh, but again, Rick, somehow that got into the horse's system, and somehow it came over the very low, it's not a lot, but very small amount of that, according to the rules of Kentucky, uh, is a positive. And, um, you know, the punishment is disqualification, impossible, fine, and suspension.
0: Yeah, and this is a thing, too, where uh, with the Arkansas uh, suspension that he had there, what was the thing of the, uh, uh, the, the allegedly the jockey with the pain patch and whatever. So, I mean, we've been yeah. down this road before as far yeah. as excuses and everything like that. And, and, and again, uh, and I know that we're supposed to be looking to whatever type of, you know, high-flown legal things are going to happen. Uh, Uh, settle this, although, again, as I said, I'm a lot more cynical than that. And one of the things I would look at in terms of the decision-making would be, just based on everything that you've said here, if you are on the Kentucky Supreme Court, is Bob Baffert the kind of guy you want to stick your neck out for? Because this keeps happening. I mean, you'd think that everybody would be, uh, you know, we've all been in circumstances where we've been put on notice in various things in life, and uh, most of us are, you know, trying very hard to keep our noses clean while that's the case. And uh, it appears to be business as usual for this guy under all of this, and that's got to be registering on the people who are going to hold his fate in their hands. Right, and going back to your question about the other jurisdictions, right now
1: apparently he's racing horses or preparing to race horses in Santa Anita, could probably raise some in Maryland if he wanted to. And that's, in my mind, the fiscal decision made by the Stronach family uh, for the guy who has been the top trainer at their track for decades and won, again, a ton of Santa Anita derbies, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't disagree with what's been stated by some racing experts that next year he might be able to race in the Preakness, but not in the Derby nor the Belmont. It'll be fascinating. Uh, And I should also point out that uh, uh, there was a horse in 1968, Dancer's Image, won the Kentucky Derby, uh, but came up positive for Butte after the race, and it took four years of litigation before he was officially disqualified um, over a Butte positive and the other one, well, two years ago, Maximum Security. You know, just looking at the gamblers for a second, um, (laughs) Maximum Security got DQ'd in 20 minutes, so the horse who came in second, you know, came in first, uh, but that's not what happened here, and if you bet $50 to win on the second-place finisher in the Derby this year, uh, if you cashed out right then, you would have won more than $1,000. So there is that finality to racing that you have to have to pay off within literally within minutes after a race, and that's why if you bet the second-place finisher to Dancer's Image or Medina's Spirit, you know,
0: 53 years apart, you got the shaft. Yeah, exactly, and that's uh, that's a thing where I know the industry is going to want to, you know, minimize that as much as possible going forward because that is such a, a big black eye, but uh, just writ large here, just to kind of bring it around full circle here, this is a thing where, We were hearing, again, notwithstanding the recent issues in Arkansas, after Baffert had won the Derby, yet again, about uh, this is the transcendent figure in horse racing in the 21st century and everything like that, and he was really basking uh, in that uh, until this stuff hit the fan here. So, I mean, as far as that goes and as far as him being legitimately the biggest figure in this industry, the face of horse racing in America, as I think he himself has not been shy to, uh point out (laughs) what what does this do to all of that i mean it's a whole i mean do we we get to where it becomes like an oakland raiders kind of a deal where you know the the branding can actually work for him in some ways although if you're banned in a lot of places the raiders were never banned from playing on the field no matter what they did so i mean i'm kind of wondering how that cuts as far as his image to the mainstream as the face of racing well, I
1: think you're right. I think it's a big problem. You know, he said things after the race that you look at differently after the race comes up positive. Like, I can't believe he won the race. I have no idea.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then he gets a drug positive. However, it was, uh, however it came up, and you know, there's thousands of people going, Well yeah, well, I guess we know now how he won." You know, that kind of stuff. And I'll say it again. The Preakness, as you know, is a 16th of a mile shorter than the Derby. So he races a dead game in the Derby on the lead. He holds off horses in the deep stretch, a mile and a quarter, going a 16th of a mile more than the Preakness. And he wins, and it's incredible. And I can't believe he won the race, but he did. And it's my seventh Derby, and I beat Ben Jones, who had six. And then two weeks later, literally two weeks later, he gets run over in a shorter race. I'll say it again, to Joe racing fan that looks weird how could you be so dead game in the stretch at a mile and a quarter and yet at a mile and three sixteenths you know a sixteenth of a mile shorter you get run over and frankly in that race to me he was beaten at the top of the stretch so that's even worse yeah um so I think it's going to hurt Bamford tremendously I think it's going to hurt even if somehow the lawyers get him out of this you know, there's going to be thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people looking at him sideways. And again, he has a rep in the industry. If you've had five positives in one year and two of them for the same thing in major races, the Oaks at Kentucky at, at- at Churchill Downs, is probably the second or third biggest race after the Kentucky Derby. So that's a big problem. And again, right now, you talk about his future. Right now, he can't race in the next two derbies. Yeah, He can't race. I don't know what they're going to do in New York, but he can't race. He certainly didn't even fight that to race in the Belmont. Why? Because his horse got run over in a mile and three sixteenths, And as you know, the Belmont's a mile and a half. Yep. That's a quarter of a mile more than the Derby. Right. So I don't think people thought now, if he had won the Preakness, that would have been fascinating because he would have tried to get into Belmont, they would have tried to stop him, there would have been lawsuits back and forth, but once he got beat at a mile and 316 316s, there was no way he was going to run into Belmont, no matter what. Had he won, that would have been a different story. So I, I do think no matter what happens, it's going to hurt Bamford, but if his horse gets disqualified from winning the Derby, uh, and they fight that for years in the courts, and they will, Rick, yeah.
0: um, that'll be a black mark on him And we'll always have people looking at him sideways. Absolutely. And, uh, again, the hindsight now from looking back at the end of the derby, when you you look back on this, it makes the reducio ad absurdum all the much worse with uh, Steve Cornacki and the likes of him. Oh, how can you go against Baffert at that price? Never mind that the horse had no kind of pedigree whatsoever. The whole thing of, like, oh, it's a Baffert horse. I'll take it. Well. We now have maybe an idea of why that horse paid off as it did. Steve Cornacki now apparently with his new contract the face of every NBC Universal channel out there, as I understand it. But uh, Yeah, a little too much for me, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, too much is never enough when it comes to having Steve Callis on the show. Great friend. Uh, again, callas Remarks podcast, 97.5, The Fanatic in Philadelphia, appearing on the show with uh, Joe Stazak. And, of course, uh, sports editor of the Westchester County Post, westchestercountypost.com. Steve, always a pleasure when you can make time in your day for us. Thank you so much, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate it. If
1: I could just say, Westchester County Post YouTube. We have about, you know, the 90 videos we've done in the last year, so that's pretty interesting. And I also now have a Facebook uh, group, Speaking of Sports with Steve Callis, where we have just broke 300 members, and there's a lot of places where people can go and give their opinions on a lot of things. And, of course, when you're done with this, I'll post it, and, you know, we'll get
0: some commentary there as well. Appreciate it, my friend. Thank you, as always, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 13. 52